This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Hey, this is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Hello and welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, the only Clemson man that isn't playing for Houston, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? I fucking hate Houston. <laughs> Don't we all? Oh, man. And my other co-host on this show, the only Oklahoma alum that hasn't beaten a woman, Glenn Lotzenheiser. How you doing, Glenn? That's fucked up. You have no <laughs> proof of that. <laughs> how do you know what I've done? Huh? <laughs> I like how Matt is not like, you can't say that all of them have done it. You're just like, you can't prove that he hasn't. <laughs> you don't right, know look. me. You don't know my life. <laughs> Coming off the draft full show here, we're going to talk about the draft, about UDFAs, and we got some news for you. And then the whole second half of the show... We're going to go into this Titans draft, break it down, give a grade for each player, and, and some guys that we could have picked besides that guy if we weren't big fans of the pick. We'll go through the whole thing. Very excited to do this. But let's jump right into the show and start off with the mailbag, as we always do. First thing in the mailbag this week is from Sonny Ali. How do you feel about the rest of the teams in the AFC South's draft classes? I feel better than I do about you making that sentence. Jeez. Um, you know, I, I think everybody helped themselves in different ways. Uh, obviously, Clemson South, I mean, the, the Texans. Shut they've up, had Some interesting developmental pieces there. We'll see what they can make of it. I don't think it helps them this year. Quarterback is going to be their problem. They're going to have to figure that out. I think Watson starts before the year is over, and Matt just has to deal with that fact. I mean, it's just, It's going to happen. I think the Colts made a lot of good moves for their defense. I'm not terribly worried about them as far as their defense goes. Just first year, you only get so much better with a draft class, except for just at certain positions. The Jaguars, if Fournette turns out to be the beast that everybody says he is, all of a sudden they could have a running game, and then that just changes the whole nature of that team. This could be the year where they finally turn into a team that you have to be worried about, like everybody has said every year for the last five years. I'll believe it when I see it, but that was a good pick. The rest of their draft, you know, other than Westbrook, I'm not all that impressed with. But what Westbrook adds a nice dimension to their offense, and uh, Fournette gives them that power and, you know, a solid running game where they, they could actually turn into something. We'll see what happens with it. I hope they don't. But, yeah, I, I think everybody helped themselves, and the biggest jump would probably be the Jaguars if Fournette gets going. And then after that, I would give it to the Colts for if that defense can turn into something you know, by the end of the year. Because they still won a lot of games last year with a terrible defense, so any help should help them out. And then the Texans, they're probably two or three years away from realizing you know, whether this draft was worth it or not. Yeah, I think, obviously, I'm upset with what went down in the first round of pretty much our whole uh, scenario that took place. I was a little upset overall. By the end of the night, I learned to cope with it a little bit better. The first disappointment 
that I got over pretty quick was was the Corey Davis. And I know we were talking about the other teams, but when Cleveland got on the clock and made that trade to Houston, I knew immediately. I knew he was going with that pick, whether it was Cleveland or somebody else. So it sucks. I don't want to hate him, but I know ultimately that's where this is going. I think that the Titans are pretty much the, the front runner of any sport that I follow. I love Clemson, but I'm a Titans fan first and foremost. So I'm going to have to learn to separate myself a little bit. But I think the Jags, probably out of all the the rivals in the division, probably is maybe a step back from the other two. I think, like Glenn said, that you know Houston is probably a couple years away. However, I do think that they got a good bit of key pieces that's going to help them moving forward. But with Jacksonville, I think that they really could have traded back if they found a partner. I guess probably that that wasn't the case. They couldn't find anybody to move back and take Fournette. But I think if they had, they could have definitely cashed in on that. I've heard other people say with the Cam Robinson pick, hypothetically, if you were to basically swap those out, most of the Jacksonville fans would probably be happy with that either way. But end of the day, you know, they got a good tackle. They got a good well, – actually, I'm not even sure if Robinson's going to be playing tackle in the NFL, but as of now, he's a tackle. Fournette, I'm not too concerned about right away. I think he could develop into definitely a, a good running back, but I'm not too concerned with him stepping in and making a big impact. Indianapolis definitely probably took the the division by storm just as far as now they have a GM that knows what he's doing. I think that their defense improved tremendously. It sucks for us only because, you know, we've been basically riding the Ryan Grigson train for so long and he had no idea what was going on. Now we got to deal with somebody that does. So, but anyway, yeah. So I think um, with the Colts probably was the best team to walk away out of, uh, out of the three, but obviously I'm most upset about Houston, but that's, that's all I got to say about that. I think the Jags had a solid draft. Really, like you guys said, they had a few, in my opinion, a few really solid picks here. Getting Leonard Fournette early helps that whole offense. I think that getting D.D. Westbrook as late as they did, great value pickup where they were able to get him. You know, he dropped a lot further than I think some people expected. So great value pick for them there. Uh, and I like the pick of Can Robinson in the second round, especially a lot of value with that pick. Outside of those three picks, though, there's not much to like, in my opinion. Smoot, I think, was a, a reach. You know, Blair Brown, someone that I know personally, and I'm not very impressed with this talent. I think that he's going to be a guy that ends up being a special teamer. Then Jalen Myrick, I did not like that one at all. I I think that I think that they hit a couple here and missed a couple, but they hit more on the top end of the draft and miss towards the back end of the draft. So you would, that's obviously the way you'd want it to work out. Uh, and no matter, you know, if you have to miss a few, you'd rather have them at the back of the draft. And, and if Leonard Fournette shakes out the way he looks like he will, this draft is still going to be a win for them overall. You know Brown's going to come find you in, on campus and beat your ass now, right? <laughs> he can if he wants to. Ryan's Houston. like, I don't mind suing you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You're worth a couple million now. Go ahead and beat my ass. <laughs> um, Houston, I thought, did a good job. I didn't like the first pick, trading up for Deshaun Watson. You need a quarterback, and I like Deshaun Watson. I just don't think that this draft really had anybody worth trading up for. So it wasn't big on that. But outside of that pick, I thought they had a really good draft, as much as I hate to say. It's got a st- absolute steal in Zach Cunningham. That running back... 
Donta Foreman, I think I'm saying his name right. He's a monster. I mean, he was the best running back in the <laughs> college football last year. They really had some great picks outside of the first one. I thought that really helped their team. Davenport on 130, I think, is going to make an impact early on in his career. I thought that they did a good job, but the cream of the crop out of these three, in my opinion, is the Indianapolis Colts. I thought they picked very well. They got Malik Hooker and Quincy Wilson to help a secondary that hasn't been good in a long time. Uh, Terrell Basham is another guy that goes here at Ohio University where I'm at, and the kid is electrifying. He's probably the best player to come out of Ohio University in a very, very long time. Very talented football player. I think that he's an upgrade for a pass rusher. Uh, You know, they got some guys. Later on, they got Anthony Walker, who I think has the ability to be a three-down player. And then Marlon Mack, the running back. He's kind of a home run hitter, kind of hit or miss. But it gives them someone finally behind Frank Gore that's a valuable option as and, you know, as we all know, Frank Gore's 111, but you need to find someone that can come in and replace him. I thought they did good. Getting Mac here is a guy that not only has the ability to possibly take over when Frank Gore hangs it up, but it gives you someone who is a lot different than Frank Gore. So, you know, something that defenses will have to prepare for is two different running backs, two different styles of running, which is always something, you know, as dynamic as you can make your offense, you know, the better it's going to be. So I think the Jags did solid, the Texans did good, and the Colts did uh, pretty fantastic, which I hate to say because every year I hope all of these teams just pick nothing but kickers, but it sucks that Ryan Grigson's gone and we can't pick on how bad the Colts draft every year because I think everybody in this in this division upgraded, and it's only going to make this division harder to get out of in the future. Even though our team is getting better, so are these three teams that we're going to have to play. All right, moving on to the next one here. Mallory Walsh asks, most surprising move of the draft? It has to go to the uh, gold medal winners of the uh, Darwin Award this year, the uh, Bears, trading their whole damn draft to move up one pick to take a quarterback when they just got done paying another quarterback a fortune. That pick, that move right there, he goes, what the fuck are you doing? I don't care how good of a sales job the 49ers did, giving away that much to move up one slot is just stupid. I mean, the, the Chiefs made a bad move in my opinion plenty of other teams made bad trades up to go take quarterbacks but giving away that much the move up one pick that was just so stupid that it has to win yeah it probably does win they didn't give up their whole draft they gave up a third a fourth and next year's third which it's like 67 114 and you know whatever next year is. yeah but did you see what else they drafted yeah and actually we'll get into that but i'm not as low on it as i guess you guys are but um I think, I mean, yeah, that was retarded. I, I can't see why or or how, what what dude was thinking when he thought, even if even if Trubisky's your guy, if the Niners were going to take him, it's really hard to argue that that trade made any sense at all. But I guess if he's really your guy, it's hard to justify, even if, you know, you're, you're completely sold on the kid, even though he has basically only a 13-game track record. It made zero sense, but the biggest shock to me, other than you know, once I got past that and I, and I was able to finish eating my wings after I choked, probably just the fact that Kansas City jumped all the way up to ten to take Mahomes. Honestly, call me a homer if you like. I truly think that Deshaun Watson is the best QB in this class, and you know he was one of the last ones to go in the first round. So 
the Bears have to win that. I don't think it's as – it's probably blown out of proportion a little bit as far as what they gave up to do. But they, they moved up one spot, and San Fran obviously wasn't interested. I, I'm willing to bet that San Fran was still uh, going Solomon Thomas, whether the Bears made the move or not. I have those two written down as the, the two most surprising moves. The trade-up to get Mahomes that early and obviously trading one spot up to get Trubisky – so, just to give a little bit something else, Lattimore dropping to 11. That one surprised me. You know, some people had him as high as number two going into the draft. This is a guy that I've, I liked a lot. I thought that had a lot of talent, or has a lot of talent, and is the best cornerback in this draft. I think that's almost consensus between, you know, most of the experts out there. To see him drop like he did, even though it's not that huge of a drop, it's still pretty surprising. That you know, a guy with this kind of talent ended up dropping two eleven in a class that has a lot of corners in it. I understand, but still, a lot of guys taking in front of him. I don't think are going to have the career that Lattimore has the potential to have. You know, another guy that dropped really bad was uh, Allen, going all the way down to Washington. That was an insane drop for him too. Absolutely, but Allen was a guy too that a lot of people had a lot of leeway with. Some people had him going that late. He was kind of the enigma of this draft. You know, it, no, I think had injury question about him. I, it, it's definitely the shoulder thing. But the same thing is part of why uh, Lattimore dropped is people are worried about those knees and his ankles. And, you know, just how how well can he hold up? But for a, a guy like Jonathan Allen to drop all the way to seventeen, this shows you how weird this draft class was. There were so many guys that were top talent that had injury concerns. Just, you know, it was just a question of how far will this guy drop due to this injury concern before someone goes and says, okay, I have to take him now. Not only that, but all of the red flags in this year's draft. We have them every year, but it just seems this year we had a lot of guys that dropped considerably far from where they would have been drafted just because of off-the-field issues. Oklahoma! (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's move on to the next one here, guys. We kind of got into this a little bit. Jay Russell asks, who had the best and the worst draft in the NFL? Well, the low-hanging fruit for me would be the Bears as far as the worst draft. Uh, I have a feeling that Matt may disagree with me here, but Mitchell Trubisky, part of the great against him is that they gave up several picks to go up one spot to get him. So that, that automatically, I admit that I'm a little bit biased in this view. But I just I don't see him as being that good of a quarterback. And, you know, every team's got to sit there and eventually sit down and go, is this my guy? And I think the Bears could have gone into the next season with Mike Glennon and sucked enough to still have a chance at one of the better quarterbacks next year. And I think the guys coming out next year are better for the most part than the whole class this year. But, you know, I didn't like that pick. Uh, Shaheen, as big as he is, he's not my favorite tight end. So for them to take him in the second round, I thought was too high. Eddie Jackson was a good pick. But, that's all the way down to the fourth round. So you had a quarterback who I really hope they don't plan on playing in the next year or two, a tight end that I think has got a lot of developmental work to do before he's really going to be able to make a real impact that they picked in the second round, no third round pick. And then they only had three other picks after that, just a, you know, two fours, which was Eddie Jackson, uh, Tariq Cohen at the running back from North Carolina. And then the uh, guard, Jordan Morgan. I just, they, they had, a really good position. They gave enough of it away that this draft class didn't add much to a team that was really awful last year. So that's yeah. my worst. My best, 
probably, I mean, there's three clubs up there, you know, excluding the Titans from this. I've got the Cowboys, the Saints, and the Chargers. I think all three of those teams helped themselves out a lot uh, as far as filling positions that they really had needs. I think the best return on investment this coming season, though, is going to be the Chargers. And part of that was taking Matt's boy. They're the L.A. Chargers now, but they, they got Mike Williams in there. They got Phillip Rivers some help, and it's about damn time they did. They got him some offensive linemen. They got him, you know, some wide receiver help. The Chargers made a move this year that should give Phillip Rivers a chance to compete next year without having to do it all himself and get Gordon some more free space coming out of the backfield. So I think that for what they got as far as immediate return, I think the Chargers had the best of my uh, top group. But so many teams had good drafts because there was such a deep draft this year that you could almost pick any club and say they did really well for themselves. But I went with the Chargers. My only rebuttal with the whole Bears thing is that I would agree that they reached probably for every pick they took. So from that aspect, I agree with you. I'm not a fan of their GM. I I can't understand his theory on things. But same time, like Adam Shaheen, I brought him up last week. I love him in the fourth or fifth round, not in the second. But they're they're comparing this guy I've read uh, before the draft aired. They're calling this kid Baby Gronk, and that's probably more of a far-fetched name than anything else. But the, the guy is a monster. He's like 279 or 278, something like that. Ran a 479, 6'6". Like, he's a freak. And I think he will probably pan out to be a pretty solid tight end in the league. I'm not going to go ahead and call him Baby Gronk quite yet. But, I mean, that's what some people do call him. Tariq Cohen, we've talked about before. Great talent, but again, it was a reach. There was definitely some some better backs in my mind at, at the time. I, I like who they got, but I would say that it's a reach. Now, as far as like best and worst draft in my mind, I don't have a solid best or worst. One of the worst, I'll say, and I've already brought it up, was the Kansas City Chiefs trading up to get Mahomes. I'm not sold on Mahomes. I don't think that he was worth the jump. Without going too negatively into detail on, on any of the worst teams, I think most teams did pretty solid for themselves. I wasn't too high on Detroit. There's a couple teams that stood out to me a little bit. And as far as best, it's the same same sort of thing. I think that the Steelers, I thought, did really well. They ended up walking away with Cam Sutton was a third-round pick. I thought that was a good value pick. They got Dobbs was in the fourth. James Conner, a local kid who beat cancer, a local Pittsburgh guy, got drafted to Pittsburgh as well. That was a, a feel-good story. He's a good back as well. Then you went ahead and took uh, Juju Smith-Schuster in the second to go along with T.J. Watt in the first. Now, although there's no, you know, when you pick at number 30 overall, we talked about this before the show, there's real no, you know, standout A player on this list. But when you pick 30th overall, sometimes that, you know, that that's just going to happen. When you can walk away with five solid B, B-plus guys, I mean, I, in my mind, that's a win. And I hate the Steelers, but I would say that they definitely had a draft that stood out to me. I also liked the Bengals. Between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, I think that they probably, in my mind, had two of the best ones that stood out to me. Joe Mixon was obviously part of that. Like him or not, he's a good running back, and they they took advantage of it. Ironically, they're the team that took the gamble on John Ross at number nine. We'll see how he does. But I think between getting Jordan Willis at linebacker, Carl Lawson, who's really probably a first-round talent, but I guess the injury scared teams away fell all the way to the fourth i mean that alone right there solid b plus overall i'd give cincinnati and those are the two that the main two that stood out to me but 
I think everybody in the league, you know, minus a couple teams, really did pretty well for themselves. I think a lot of people who are ripping the Bengals are doing it just based on the moral thing about drafting Joe Mixon. You know, they're like they're taking a chance on John Ross's injuries, but Joe Mixon, they're they're giving him D's and S for drafting him. And, you know, it's about the quality on the field. And as long as he stays eligible, they're going to get a great return for getting him in the second round. So people knocking them and, you know, lowering their draft grade because they took a guy that this guy personally wouldn't have drafted for a personal reason, not a football reason. Uh, It's unfair to knock their draft grades because that's who the Bengals are. They take a lot of guys that are a little bit edgy, a little bit questionable. And they're not the only ones. The Patriots used to do that all the time. Would take guys and just put them in their system, tell them, hey, behave yourself. You know, so it's not like the Bengals are the first or the only team to do this stuff. They, they get ripped a lot. I thought, like Matt said, I thought they had a really good draft class, too, for what they were doing and what they added to their weapons. Yeah, and also you got to add Cleveland to that list. I mean, how can you have a bad draft when you have that many picks? But they definitely cashed in as well, and they ended up getting that douchebag from Florida. <laughs> they did cash in, but I, I honestly, with Cleveland, it's like I liked every other one of their picks. When you have that many picks, that's still a pretty damn good draft. But I liked like every other one of their picks. And even the ones I don't like, they're still going to add something to that team because the team is so bad at all areas of the field that they can draft almost anybody, and it's going to be an upgrade. I had Cleveland rated pretty high, too. But the thing with Cleveland as well is, you know, when we're up on the clock, there's a handful of positions that make sense for us to pick. Like, you can pick in any position, and it makes sense for Cleveland. Like, even with that many picks, like, you can go anywhere, and it makes complete sense you know you might disagree with the player but you can't really make an argument against the pick because they need everything and i but i agree with what glenn said there that it was like every other pick i really liked for them but for mine i had the worst as uh the chicago bears as well the trading up to get trubisky i didn't think was a good idea they were obviously sold on that one quarterback and who i don't think is the best quarterback in this draft class. I think that he's going to struggle in his transition to the NFL. But, you know, we'll see. But I I didn't think that was a good pick, especially trading up to do so. I thought Shaheen was a big reach for where he was, and I thought there was uh, quite a few tight ends that were on the board that I thought would be a better pick there. Really, Eddie Jackson's the only pick that I like here. Even Tariq Cohen, he's a little, little guy. I didn't like that one very much at all. I think Eddie Jackson is the only pick of theirs that I actually like. The only one that's a good pick. And you can't have a good draft if your only good pick is the guy that you got in the fourth. It, you know, it's not going to work out awesome for you. That's why I have them as the worst. For me, uh, an easy pick for the worst uh, draft this season. As for my best, there were definitely a couple teams that came to mind. But it, for me, it came down... Uh, in the end, in New Orleans. I thought they had a really good draft this year. They got Marshawn Lattimore at 11, which is a steal, even that early. Then I think they get the next pick, you know, at 32nd, last pick of the first round of the draft. They get the best tackle in the draft, and Ryan Ramchick, in my opinion. They get a solid safety in Marcus Williams. They get, in the third round, they get Alvin Kamara, who I thought was going to be a second-round pick. You know, solid running back. Do they really need him is the, the question here. Because I think – I like Kamara. I think he's a good back. I think he'll have a, a solid NFL career. But they also have Adrian Peterson there. Uh, Hightower's still there. And Mark Ingram's still there. And it really becomes a question of, like, do you need that? But still, 
a good pick here, and he's a guy that has a lot less miles on it than you know than everybody else in their running back core. Alex Anzalone, I don't even know how you say his name, but linebacker to Florida, kid's good. I got to watch a little bit of a tape this weekend. I have a good friend of mine that is a big-time Florida fan, and he sent me some of his tape, and I was really impressed by it. They get Hendrickson out of uh, FAU is a good pick here. And then their last pick, Muhammad out of Miami, another good pick here. And they get two solid linebackers late in this draft. You know, defensive end. And outside of Kamara, it's really – Kamara and Ramscheck are the only two offensive picks here. For a team that's done really poorly defensively, and they addressed every level of the defense. They got two linebackers. They get pass rusher. They get, uh, you know, help on the back end of this in the secondary with two solid picks. I thought they did a great job of not only getting really good value in their picks, but they also got really good players that are going to be immediate upgrades. I think immediate impact, I still think you can make the argument with this class over the Chargers, just because this defense is going to look completely different after this draft. I think they addressed their biggest needs perfectly. They were able to do it with good value picks on good players. I thought it was a really stellar draft that the Saints had. Let's move on here to the last question in the mailbag this week. This one from Harrison Williams, and he asks, how do you guys feel about the Titans' undrafted free agent pickups? And just for a quick rundown so far, we have a Western Kentucky quarterback, Tyler Ferguson, Louisville's defensive tackle, D'Angelo Brown, Minnesota's offensive tackle, Jonah Persig, Middle Tennessee State defensive end, Stephen Rhodes, who's also a Marine Corps veteran. Pretty neat story on him. Uh, NC Statewide receiver Braylon Cherry, Ball Statewide receiver Kayvon Mabin, and Texas State offensive tackle Ryan Melton. So how did you guys feel about these guys that we're bringing in? Maybe one of those guys will make the draft class. I may, yeah. Make the uh, practice squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know dick about any of these guys. I've heard uh, D'Angelo Brown is supposed to be a standout guy, and I've also heard good things about Cherry as well. Other guys, I've never heard of them, haven't heard anything on them, even after they were selected by the Titans. So I have no input on any of these guys, but I've heard good things about Brown and uh, Cherry. Uh, that's everything that I've heard and read is is Brown and Cherry, the two to watch out for out of this class uh, of UDFA pickups. And as I mentioned, Stephen Rhodes, a local guy out of Middle Tennessee State, was in the Marine Corps for a while. It just It's a neat story. He's probably not making the team. It's just not, the complete package is not there. He doesn't have good size. There's a lot to not like about him as a football player. But if you're not unfamiliar with the story, definitely was something worth looking up. You know, local guy, a veteran coming out and, and making the team. It's pretty neat a story to look at. But everything that I've read is looking at Brown and Cherry are the two guys that could really put pressure and make the team. Outside of that, it feels like a lot of camp bodies. But that's all we have for the mailbag this week, guys. Uh, each and every week we put up a post for the mailbag. You can find it on our Facebook page at Two Tone Uncensored on Facebook and Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. The Tennessee Titans fan page posted there every single week. So you can find it there and comment your questions. We pick the best questions each and every week to put on the show. So let's head into the news. The big news this week probably is Derrick Henry's return to Nashville. There was a big story, guys, a couple weeks ago we covered it, about how he wasn't at non-mandatory voluntary practices because he was finishing his degree at Alabama. Now he's back in Nashville going through the workouts. 
it's kind of one of those stories that feels like it's a much bigger deal than it really ought to be. Do you guys get the same feeling here? It wasn't even a big story. When we covered it, it was basically shut the hell up about it. It's not a story. Because <laughs> Glenn said so, motherfucker. Damn right. No, yeah, I don't know. Nothing big, but I will say, I think, and it was probably media-driven, after the fact, I, I didn't click on it because it just looked like clickbait to me. I guess whoever, I, don't even, I honestly don't even remember who had the story, but I did see it on Facebook. It was something where they were saying that Derek Henry's not happy with uh, the organization and basically due to the shit that got leaked out. And again, I didn't click on it. I paid it no mind. Apparently it really wasn't a big story because nothing ever came of it, but I don't think he's unhappy. I think that uh, he's in a good position, obviously with a young growing team, good, good front office. Now it's been a while since we could say that, but um, it's good that he finished school. Uh, Obviously that's good on, on every account. And now he's ready to go to work, so let's get it. When we covered this originally about him not being there, Glenn said, how could you be mad at a guy who's missing voluntary practices to better himself? I thought it was very well put, and it still fits here. I'm not mad that he wasn't there. I'm glad to have him back and in practice making this team better. Now, in my opinion, complete non-story, but I know a lot of people out there, the crackheads mainly, freaked out and saying we should trade him away and, and all kinds of nonsense before the draft. So just to calm all of you out there, he is back in Nashville. He's attending workouts, and he's ready to play some football. Yeah, one positive thing I'll add to Derrick Henry and him being a Titan. I remember last year before the draft, before we selected him, obviously, I don't think anyone really thought we were going to do it, but it was always that possibility because we had all those second-round picks. I kept saying, no, we don't need a running back because this year's class is so great and this and that. I would much rather have Derrick Henry than whoever it may be, Fournette, Cook, McCaffrey, whoever. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I think we actually are in a better position with Derrick Henry as opposed to those other guys. And I did not feel that way, you know, a year ago. Well, before a year ago. I agree. Based on what we saw on the field this last year, changed my mind. But, you know, I I would have rather have waited and taken uh, Mixon, you know, all things considered, and gotten Mixon late than, um, you know, if you'd asked me last year. But Derrick Henry completely changed my point of view on it. He he showed a lot more agility and um, just ability to stay on his feet than I thought he had. He showed some lateral ability, some, you know, some playmaking ability. He, He completely won me over. So I'm really excited about what we've got in our backfield and our future. Absolutely. And one thing that I think with Derrick Henry is a little underrated is his patience. With a big guy like that, you're not the fastest guy on the field. You, you have to run into people. You have to get that full head of steam going and just you know knock some heads. It can be really hard then to be patient, to wait for that hole to open. To But he is a very patient back, even sometimes to a fault. But he's very patient for a big guy, which is a rare quality in a really big running back but he does you know his patience obviously lends to his greatness next thing here in the news the team has parted ways with the former director of college scouting blake bedenfield bedenfield was with the team for 18 seasons scouting the last five he spent as the head of their college scouting this happened just a day after the draft concluded definitely not the only team that we've seen a lot of shake up in their scouting indianapolis and the buffalo bills also uh, made similar moves in their scouting department. And it's not to say it has anything to do with the draft really either, is one thing I wanted to say before you guys talked on this, is 
We expected changes when we got a new general manager. We didn't see that many in the first year. Now we're starting to see a little bit more uh, shake up in the front office, getting guys that he likes better and and the position. So for me, it's not as as shocking red flag as it would appear at face value. You know, I actually expected this move last year because of the way that we had been running the drafts over the previous years and the quality of players that we're getting. And you saw it, you know, this roster has been almost completely overturned in the last year and a half, really just the last year. We've changed out so many of those other drafted players. The whole you know, second round from the year before his draft class is gone. I thought they would have done it last year. I think maybe they were being a little bit more patient, giving him some time, seeing how he worked with what J-Rob was doing. Because like Ryan said, we expected changes, and we didn't really see a lot of them. And I think part of it was just them being patient and seeing if he could work into what John Robinson wanted. If, if he could direct the group in a way that John Robinson felt was the most efficient, most effective. And obviously it wasn't. And this is the time you fire him. Um, you know, there, there's like, you know, Black Monday where as soon as the season's over, all the coaches get fired. Well, as soon as the draft is over, all the scouts and everybody else gets fired. We didn't do anything nearly as drastic as wipe out the entire scouting department like the Buffalo Bills did. But, you know, you knew something was going to change eventually because John Robinson came up in the, as a scout. He came up as a guy who knows how he wants things to run. And so if he didn't feel you could give him the best quality for what you're doing, then he was going to get rid of you. And I don't know what his plans are as far as replacing that guy or if he just does that job too. You know, We'll, we'll see how all that works out. But I expected it to come just based on, you know, Bettingfield has been with us for 18 years. He, he's the last guy holding over from the old Floyd Reese, Jeff Fisher days. You know, you're not mourning his departure at this point because we've had a lot of really – really questionable drafts over the last decade and a half, you know, two decades. So if he's a big part of that, and he's been working his way up. He hasn't been the director of college scouting that whole time. But if he's been working his way up through there, and he is part of that questionable draft strategy over and over again, then maybe it was time to move on from him. And, you know, good luck to him. But I don't think anybody's really shocked by this. Yeah, change is good, especially when you got front office that's that's making good changes. I don't think we've seen anything that, really has been negative. I know obviously uh, one minor thing that's kind of in the back burner is we haven't seen the slightly altered jerseys, but I mean, that could maybe be the one thing that I don't like <laughs> depending on what they come up with, but everything else has been great. Like Glenn just said, he's been with us for 18 years and uh, a lot of those years have been subpar or, or downright horrible. I know the last few years take away last season have been awful with uh, bottom of the barrel. So obviously, Rustin Webster and even before him, Mike Reinfeldt played a huge part in in being so awful. But I'm pretty much on board with whatever John Robinson wants to do. I know it sounds, you know, I'm all gun ho on, on one guy, but truth be told, man, he's changed the face of the franchise. And um, until he proves me wrong, I mean, I'm I'm gonna roll with him. So Bettingfield, yeah, I don't know, kick rocks, buddy. It's time to go. Uh, all I was gonna say was. <laughs> Basically, the exact same thing that Matt said at the end. There's, I trust J. Rob, you know, to make this decision. J. Rob's not given me a reason so far to not trust him. You know, he's done everything the opposite. He's, he's definitely earned our trust. He's made some great moves, made this team a lot better. In the one season he took over, we went from being the bottom of the NFL to almost making it to the playoffs. I mean, that's a big jump to make in just one year's time. You know, we have hope for the future. We should be even a better team next year, a better team the year following, and our Super Bowl window is going to be open pretty soon. 
and that's all because of J-Rob. So I trusted the decision that he made. Betting field, obviously, like you guys said, came up through some really bad general managers and, and some bad, really bad drafts and such. Uh, 18 years is a long time, so I definitely you know salute to him for giving up nearly two decades of his life to our franchise. Even if he didn't make the, the greatest decisions, uh, it's still you know two decades is a long time to spend with a team. I have nothing but the, the best wishes for his career moving forward. And I think it's just, you know, sometimes you just got to clean house, get some new names in, get the guys that John Robinson wants in there, because obviously he knows how to make this team better, as he's shown already. Yeah, and you know, you just kind of, let me open up an old wound real quick before we move on, but you kind of reminded with how we almost made playoffs. One thing we don't talk about, and this is maybe completely off base, but I want to talk about it because we haven't yet. Seeing as how, you know, we obviously folded horribly to Jacksonville, do you guys remember, I can't remember who they played, but Cincinnati, if their kicker, who I believe was the former Texans kicker, I can't think of his name, anyway, misses, he had a 40-yard field goal to make. If he hits it, then uh, then our game with Houston meant something, and he hooked it left, and, and I think it was a primetime game, actually, because I remember watching it at night, and because of that missed kick, our season was over before the final week of the season, which... Even though it was Matt Castle going at Houston, how awesome would that have been just to have a dog in the fight? Just to we, we basically could have, even though we completely folded to Jacksonville, had a legitimate shot to go into the playoffs and get our ass whooped by New England. I've had a lot of alcohol since then. I don't remember who they were playing. Yeah, well, I mean. Yeah, I remember the kick, watching it, and I forget what it was too now. I forget exactly how it was set up, but it was something like they shouldn't have gotten the chance for a kick. And something happened, and they got the opportunity, and I was just like, "Here it is now! Like we're we're getting we're going to get the opportunity still. We're going to be able to to play for a playoff spot." And he shanked it, and it was just like I remember being like mad about it at first. And I remember Glenn saying something like, "We didn't deserve to go. If we couldn't beat Jacksonville, we didn't deserve to go." And I was like, "You know what? That's a good point. Yeah, that you know that's fair to say about the team." And I wouldn't want to go in just to get obliterated if we didn't deserve to be there. So I, I want to go and we deserve to be there and, and we're going to, you know, make a run. So all being said, it doesn't really bother me that much that he misses that kick. But let's move on here. Last thing in the news, and this is coming from us to all the fans out there. It's a public service announcement to all the fans. Let's uh, settle down with all the really shitty titans tattoos i feel like our news feeds have been bombarded with really crappy titans tattoos as of late and don't get me wrong there's some great ones out there i've seen some really great artwork but a lot recently has been uh subpar to put it a nice way we don't really want to be known as the team that has shitty team tattoos you get what you pay for spend a little extra money and get something permanent on your body that's going to look good uh, yeah, <laughs> Glenn was going to talk about Aaron Rodgers in, in a thong, so I'm just going to lay, <laughs> lay back and I, I, I'm not. You know, <laughs> it, seriously, people, it, it's your skin. You do what you want to do with it, but fuck, have some respect for yourself. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's all we have for the first half of the show here, guys. As promised, we're going to come back with our complete draft breakdown. You guys will be able to see our opinions on how the Titans drafted in this draft. So we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. 
Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Etcha Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code TWOTONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. you listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. Welcome back from that commercial break. We bring you the second half of the show, and as promised, we are going to do a full breakdown of the sec- or sorry, we're going to do a full breakdown of the Tennessee Titans draft class. Go through here all nine picks that we had in the draft. We're going to tell you basically a little bit, a little bit about the way we felt about these picks. Um, a grade for each pick, and some guys that we thought would be better picks if we have guys um, there. Also, at the very end, we're going to do our biggest surprise and our overall draft grade. So let's jump right into it. First pick, fifth overall, Tennessee decides not to trade back, and instead they draft Corey Davis, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Matt, how did you feel about this pick? Yeah, obviously I prefer that we uh we would have traded back and got some draft currency along with it you know preferably a second round pick uh but we couldn't find a partner apparently so it's a number five pick we decided to go Corey davis obviously i preferred all along mike williams i just felt that he was probably not an overall better receiver but just a better fit for our offense i think for what we do i think mike williams would probably be uh, in, a, in a perfect scenario, be a perfect fit for our team. Uh, but Corey Davis probably is the more complete receiver. Uh, route running is, is definitely more crisp. At first, obviously, I wasn't too too thrilled just because I was kind of had my blinders on all along. Uh, but, you know, I, I got on board pretty quickly. It's not that I had anything against Corey Davis. It's just that I was so gung-ho about getting Mike Williams, and I felt like it was a – a strong possibility that's the route we would take. So I, I really watched zero footage on Corey Davis, but obviously he's uh, he's got quite the resume. He hasn't really played a lot of strong competition, but uh, holds the Division One for NCAA uh, record for receptions all time with like uh, just under 5,300, I believe. But um, he's going to be our guy, so – 
you know, I, I got on board fairly quick. I'm, I'm basically put the Mike Williams thing behind me, and I'm, I'm ready to move forward. Yeah, this was definitely not the pick I wanted to see um, at number five. Just like you, I'd have rather seen a trade back. But like you said, the partner wasn't obviously there. I think we probably got offers. We just weren't getting offers that made sense for us to move. And I trust J-Rob's uh, judgment there. I think you do as well. I think Glenn would as well if he was on here with us. So the trade's not there. You have to take a player. Even in that scenario, Corey Davis wasn't the guy I wanted. I like Mike Williams better at the wide receiver position. Uh, but even more than that, I liked a lot of these defensive players that were still on the board here are Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker, Jamal Adams. Uh, you know, tons of defensive talent still left on the board right here. So I didn't think it was the best pick for us to go. You know, if we don't have a trade partner, that's off the table. I still don't think Corey Davis was the pick to go. And at first I was pretty upset about it. But then, you know, the more I looked at it, he's a talented player. He's a guy that can block really well for a wide receiver. He does run good routes. I think he greatly benefited from the talent level that he played. And even when he played better teams, he didn't play against really great corners. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles the transition. Because basically he's taking not just one step up, but two steps up. Going from very low level Division One um, college football to the pros. So it's a big jump for him to make. And, you know, obviously we wish him the best and hope that he makes the transition well. And he's a guy that can do a lot. And you need – he's a guy that has a very broad skill set. And then a wide receiver number one in this league, you need a guy that has a very broad skill set. And this is the, what Corey, Brave, Corey Davis brings to the table. Marcus Mariota gets a true weapon here. I overall graded this one B-. minus. Wasn't a huge fan of the pick, but he does provide us, you know, a good player at a position of need. Yeah, I'll agree. I, I think to give it a letter grade, I'd probably go B+. Plus. Um, as far as guys that, that who I may have rather t- taken at five, there's not many because um, I think our most predictable pick would have been Lattimore, and I'm actually happier taking Corey Davis than Lattimore, but maybe one that I would have been happy with at the time. Staying at five, uh, Jamal Adams is, is a guy that definitely sticks out. Um, a talent like Reuben Foster, I know obviously he fell way later than than uh, expected, but two guys like that, I think that you know for the the talent that they bring, able to step in day one and contribute right away. Not to say that Lattimore wouldn't. I just the injury scared me, and uh, end of the day, I'd, I'd much rather have Corey Davis than than Lattimore. But I give it a B plus. We didn't. The second pick here at 18 overall, we end up taking Adoree Jackson, cornerback out of USC. What did you think about this pick? At the time, I did not see that coming um, leading up to the 18th pick. I know we've been screaming about trading back all along. um, But leading up to it, you know, around pick 14, 15 area, I actually said to a few people I was with that night that, you know, there's no way that we can trade back on, on 18. There's just way too much value. Um, at the time, uh, Jonathan Allen was out there. Ruben Foster was out there. OJ Howard was out there. Uh, I thought for sure we were going with one of those guys. Didn't play out that way. Uh, we took the positional need priority first. Um, once upon a time before all these, Mock drafts got 
put out, you know, way, way, way before we started doing this. Um, one of our top corners at the time was the Dory Jackson, just basically because he was a name that we were familiar with before that, you know, Lattimore became the top guy. And, you know, there's a couple other people you could argue are ahead of uh, Jackson, but the guy's a playmaker. He's got crazy speed. You can put him all over the field. Uh, his, his corner positional work itself is probably not up to par as of, as of right now. I think he needs to work on that, probably work on his footwork a little bit. But as a whole, uh, end of the day, after looking back at the both selections, really, even though they may be considered a little bit of a reach, I feel like I like who we got. I feel like both of them are going to contribute right away. And I don't know at the time if there's another guy, corner specifically, that that I would rather have than him. Because, like I said, I, I would have been happy with a Reuben Foster or Jonathan Allen or, you know, who, who, O.J. Howard. Really, O.J. Howard is probably the pick I would have went with if it was me, just because the value is, is tremendous at that point. But, um, you know, John Robinson went with positional need, and we ended up with a Dory Jackson. Uh, as far as the grade goes, probably just from the standpoint of where he is now and what he could be, I, I love the potential there, uh, but I give it a solid B. Yeah, Doherty Jackson, the first thing you think of when you see this guy is versatility. He's obviously going to be our starter. Unless something happens injury-wise, he's going to be our starting kick returner and punt returner. He's uh, very explosive in the return game. And, you know, that's something that Tennessee hasn't had in quite some time is an explosive, exciting return man. And now we have that in Doherty Jackson. Also, I think you can plug him in on offense. His ball skills, in my opinion, are by far the best at the position in the entire draft. Um, he, he is amazing. I think he's better than a lot of the wide receivers in this draft uh, where his ball skills are at. And once he gets the ball in his hands, he's electrifying, obviously. The problem is he's not the greatest cornerback. I thought there was a lot of guys here that we could have taken that were better corners. You know, you're not going to get the versatility. That comes with Adoree Jackson. But you do get a better all-around corner. You know, Trey White is a name that comes to mind. I know that you guys weren't as high on him as I was, but he's a guy that I liked a lot. Uh, was still available here. If you wanted to, if you really wanted to go corner, you mentioned Jonathan Allen, Reuben Foster, O.J. Howard, all on the board here, and all the guys that I think are true difference makers. And I really, I'm a guy that feels early in the draft, you need, unless you have something like dire need you need to get talent over position because you, there's so much you can do with a really talented guy you know over getting a positional guy and and a lot of guys a lot of the times those talented guys end up actually making it you know busts are far rarer when the guys that are rated really high even though they're well, obviously way worse but well, Jonathan Allen actually went right before at 17, but leading up to that oh, yeah, pick, right, he, right. He, he was on the board. Right, but Reuben Foster, O.J. Howard here, definitely two guys that I would have liked to see more, um, just because I think they're key pieces. I think that these guys are going to be you know, perennial pro bowlers type players. They have that kind of talent. I mean, both of them, if you look at the, the way they play the talent, the production that they had, I mean, their ceiling is Hall of Famer. Um, not saying that they will be that, but that's where their potential lies. I think a lot of people that are, 
you know, scouted these guys would agree with that. They have amazingly high ceilings. Adoree Jackson, I think, has a high ceiling, but his floor is also a lot lower than these guys. You know, I, I think at worst he's going to be floor. a really great return man. Floor is a lot higher, I think, is what you meant. No, floor is lower. Because if the floor was higher, that means that you're at least going to get a decent player. Oh, well. Adore Jackson, I think, at worst, is going to be a good return man. Because like, if, if he's a terrible corner, you're still getting a good return man out of it. Like, that's that's the thing with Adore Jackson. Is you know what you're getting out of a return man. The thing with his, his, his great ball skills, he gets burnt sometimes in man-to-man coverage. He doesn't stick to players. He uses his speed to come back into plays a lot. That doesn't work in the NFL when these quarterbacks – you know, throw perfectly timed balls to wide receivers who are run perfect routes. You have to be able to stick with a guy. You're, you know, that getting to the ball afterwards isn't going to help out a lot. You know, there are plays obviously when quarterbacks throw late or you know really deep passes, but a lot of the passes you're going to face, you can't use your speed to come back at the end of a play if you get burned on the top half of it. It's just not going to happen. Nobody's that fast. If they can groom him. And this is a big if, but if they can groom him and prove that footwork, get him to stick in man coverage, Adoree Jackson would turn out to be an absolute steal. Probably one of the steals of the draft, because then you have a guy that can stick with a guy and amazing ball skills. That's just an interception machine waiting to happen. That's a guy you put out on an island, and people just quit throwing the ball his way, you know, almost Darrell Rivas-like, because you can't risk it. It's It's a turnover waiting to happen. But there's a lot that has to happen with the Dory Jackson's game before he gets to that point. He needs to be cleaner in man coverage. He needs to be cleaner in his footwork. He needs to be able to stick to a guy in man coverage in order for him to to develop into that style of player. But in my eyes, it's a safe pick because of his versatility. I think this guy could play all three sides of the ball. I think you're going to see him get worked into the offense every now and again because of his um, ability to catch the ball and his open field elusiveness and speed you know if you get him in the open field and in any play it could be six points from any spot on the field that's the kind of talent that he brings then obviously as a return man obviously as a cornerback I think he can play all three sides of the ball so I think it's a safe pick because you know you're gonna he's gonna work somewhere not in love with the pick I don't think it's a bad pick I gave it a little bit lower grade than you I said a C plus just because I think we missed on some guys that are really, really talented football players. But we went to pick of need here. And the thing is, too, is if we don't get a Dory Jackson here and we draft the same way, then we get no cornerbacks in this draft. Because we don't draft a cornerback after a Dory Jackson the entire draft. That would be a huge problem. That would be a lot worse. You know, obviously, I think if we pass on a Dory Jackson, we get a cornerback later. But, you know, that we don't have a pick until the third round because we couldn't work out. Um, couldn't work out a trade earlier in the draft, so you know definitely leaves some questions. I think this is a C plus right now, with the ability to go to an A plus. I, I think that if Adore Jackson comes out, he plays good at corner, and his return game is as good as it's been promised. We can work him in on the offense. I mean, you're talking about a, a you know Sanders type of player. That's what we're looking at. Um, but I like the pick overall. Next pick here, third pick in the draft, 72nd overall in the third round. We get Taewon Taylor, wide receiver, out of Western Kentucky. And, Matt, this is where it really starts. I mean, it did with Corey Davis, but really starts with 
small school guys, getting a lot of small school guys here. Um, and Taylor, getting another wide receiver, how do you feel about this pick? Uh, much like most of this draft, if not all of it, another one I was not expecting. We actually traded up with New England, um, gave up a, a third and a fourth to move up to their third and a sixth also we got in return. So uh, I thought this was another corner going. Uh, I believe guys like Tankersley were still on the board. Um, I can't remember all, all who else. I mean, there was definitely some guys that dropped. But we went with Taiwan Taylor. Um, I like him a lot. I know – let me first just say the reason Glenn's not on here, we actually did this uh, previously, and we had some technical issues, and he's unavailable at the moment. So Glenn, uh, not to be a downer on Taylor, he, he was a little more pessimistic about him than, than I am. I actually like him a lot. Um, Glenn had issues with um, his ability to catch the ball with his hands. He's a body catcher, which you could argue that that's fine. But uh, he sees him as a kind of like a, a, a slightly better Kendall Wright when I've seen people pair him to more of like a Derek Mason type receiver. I think he's got great elusiveness. Um, ball, car- ball carrier vision is, is definitely up there for him. I think he is obviously going to be um, a slot receiver for us. I think he's going to put Tajay Sharp pretty much in, in a huge competition come camp time. And I think that's going to bring the best out of both of them. He's not exactly a, a fast receiver, but he is very quick and definitely shifty. Runs great routes. I'm real excited to see what he can do for us. Overall, to trade up and get him there, I did see him as, as basically like a mid-second rounder before this draft uh, took place. So to get him in the third is great value. I don't know that I would have made that move to go up and get him there, but the fact that he lasted that long and we had a up with with New England, um, I'm not mad about it. Most of these other picks, I give it a B. Yeah, I like this pick. Um, he's a slot receiver. He's you know stronger than he looks. He's a better blocker than he would his size would lead on. He's got a lot of skills. The one big negative is he is definitely a body catcher. But he has huge hands for his size. The guy wears a double XL glove. Huge hands for how small of a guy he is. So I think the transition to catching the ball, you know, only with his hands would not be a difficult transition to make, or a less difficult transition than most receivers. Uh, because of his hand size. I mean that plays a huge part. I know everybody thinks it's an overrated thing. With receivers and and cornerbacks, you know, that are ball skills kind of guys, interception kind of guys, it's not. You know, the bigger your hand, the easier it is to bring in. Um, it's always going to be a hundred percent true. Taiwan Taylor has some huge mitts, so that I think can be uh, easy to bring him out of to make him into more of a nat- more natural pass catcher. So that's why I like this pick a lot. Ultra productive, his final year. Uh, with Western Michigan, he had a great season. Western Kentucky. No, sorry, sorry, my bad. Western Kentucky. I had Corey Davis on the mind there. Western Kentucky, <laughs> very talented football player, ultra productive in that last year. And he played, started seven games the two years before that, um, in each season, seven games. So he's a guy that has some, um, you know, it's not he's not just a one-hit wonder, even though he had one great year and two okay years or two good years. I like this pick. I do think there were some guys I'd rather have, though. You know, D.D. Westbrook, Chris Wormley, the uh, lineman, our defensive lineman, Tim Williams out of Alabama. I know he comes with a little bit of baggage, but he's an outstanding pass rusher. Some guys I'd like to have better. And then 
there's a bunch of cornerbacks left on the board here. I didn't even write any of them down because there's so many that were left, and I thought that's where we were going to go because it's, I think, more of a need for us than wide receiver is. We're going to bring this guy in. I think he does push Tajay Sharp out because I think he's a more talented player, although we know Tajay Sharp's work ethic. That's why it's going to be an interesting battle between those two is because you know Tajay Sharp is not going to just give up. You know, that's the kind of player you like to see and always makes your team better. So that's going to be an interesting camp battle. But now it's you get Corey Davis as a true number one, Rashad Matthews, uh, obviously in there. Now you have these guys battling for a slot receiver position. But on the other side of things, you have a really, really good slot cornerback and now an unproven rookie as your CB1. And I like our cornerbacks aren't really any better than they were last year. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do to improve that as the offseason keeps um, you know going forward if we try to bring in a veteran uh, one year kind of a guy to patch us over the next year. I like the pick. I just think we could have done better with it. That's why it's going to get a B for me. Taylor's a good football player. I think we can make him even better football. Uh, just wasn't the I've gone with, and it leaves me really worried about our secondary. Uh, but moving on to the next pick here. Fourth pick of uh, the draft for the Tennessee Titans. 100th overall pick in the third round. We get Janu Smith, tight end, out of Florida International. How did you feel about this guy? I wasn't too familiar with him going into this. Uh, once we took him, I, I looked him up right away. I, I liked what I saw. Um, also, first thing I did was, was read his bio. and Basically, a lot of people have good things to say about him. He's very athletic, uh, good vertical, great speed, uh, pretty decent hands. He's a good blocker. He's, he's, he's able to play right away. Um, his NFL comparison is Delaney Walker, which obviously stood out to me. He's almost like a Delaney Walker clone from what I from what I can see, and I haven't watched too much tape on him, but I've read nothing but good things about him, and I, and I think we'll be able to instantly put him in behind Delaney Walker ahead of Supernaw, which was a major concern. Uh, there was a lot of big names on the board at this point when we took him, especially at tight end. So the fact that um, we went after this guy says a lot about him, and... and I haven't heard one negative thing about him. It's not that he's extremely special at one specific thing, but he's great at so many things. So I think that's what stands out about him. And uh, I'm excited to see what we can do again, just because of, of what I've seen. Uh, not so much what I already knew, but I like this pick a lot. And I give it a B plus. This is one of my more f- favorite picks of the draft that we made. Kid's ultra talented, smaller for a tight end, but makes up for it with like a great athleticism, great hands, playmaker. He just as soon run you over as you know get around Jujuku. He is, in my opinion, just like Delaney Walker, which is a perfect fit. You know, Delaney Walker's been uh, easily top ten, probably top five tight end in the league with us, and now you're getting a guy that's just like him. That's going to have a few years to learn from the best guy at his skill set to ever play the position. And he has the exact same skill set. You know, he's the same type of player. It's a perfect scenario. I love this pick a lot. I thought it was great value. Many people had him going earlier than this. He's he's a guy that we needed at a, a position of need. We got a guy that is the exact same skill set as the guy we already have. Then he gets to learn behind that guy for a couple seasons and then take over as the starter. Uh, he's a better blocker 
that he gets credit for, you know, for being a smaller guy. I mean, it fits perfectly. I absolutely love this pick. I gave it an A minus. There were some guys out there that I liked. I thought we would go with here. Uh, Kendall Beckworth, the linebacker out of LSU, still available. Tedrick Thompson, uh, free safety out of Colorado, and Jake Butt as well. I wrote down, but with Jake Butt, everybody passed on him. He ended up dropping pretty far after this pick, which makes me believe that these team doctors evaluated Jake Butt and said. He's not ready to play. You know, he's not. That knee's a lot worse than what I think we're being told. You don't have a guy drop that far with that kind of talent unless that injury's worse than, you know, we're being told. As, you know, just fans of the sport, these team doctors know something we don't. And that's why I took Jake Butt off of my list of guys that I might have liked a little bit more here because there's obviously something wrong. You know, you don't drop that far if you're if you're healthy, if you have that kind of skill set, that kind of talent. We were talking about him as the best tight end in the draft before he got hurt. And, you know, he would have had stiff competition with that with O.J. Howard. But you don't drop to the fifth round unless that knee is, is worse than what we're being led on to. So, great pick here. Really matches up well with what we're trying to do. He's a Delaney Walker clone, and he gets to learn from Delaney Walker for a couple of years. Perfect scenario. A great pick. I gave it an A-. minus. I really think also that that pick solidifies the Adoree Jackson pick and not going with O.J. Howard. I think Robinson knew ahead of time who, who he really wanted, and I think he was able to get him here. So all made sense. Right. I agree there, too. I think that was ended up you know, getting a, a guy that really fit what we're trying to do, and he – and he gets a couple of years to to learn from that, and uh, or to learn from Delaney Walker as well, which I think is only going to make him a better player. I know Pro Football Focus put out a thing saying, you know, the chances of them working out as a tight end in this league or being a really good tight end in this league, and they had Janu Smith at the top of that list, above O.J. Howard, above other people, which you know, obviously pretty impressive. Pro Football Focus tends to be more accurate than not, so. Definitely something I look forward to seeing is his development. Uh, next pick, the fifth pick here at 164th overall in the fifth round. Jayon Brown, outside linebacker, UCLA. How would you feel about this pick? It's another guy we moved up to get. Uh, we traded up to get this guy. Um, not very familiar with him. I know he took over for Miles Jack over at UCLA once he left. Pretty much a hybrid player who has a real high ceiling. He's a linebacker who has great speed and length um, for his pass rush skills. But most importantly, and, and the main reason I think we selected him where we did, is he can cover tight ends. Um, one thing we lacked probably more than almost anything on the team was our middle linebackers, Avery Williamson, and whoever we had in there. I know we used Sean Spence at times. Those guys can't cover tight ends we we had a huge hole over the field we need guys that can play both you know pass rush and cover at the same time I think that's why we jumped for this guy and um, I believe J-Rob even said uh, during an interview yesterday that you know he's somebody that they targeted well in advance and they were able to grab him when they did that's that's the reason they moved up to take him I'm excited to see what he can do um, if he is able to cover tight ends as he's you know, supposed to be, I think it's a great pick. 
other than that, I don't know much about the guy. I haven't seen him play yet. I haven't watched as much tape as I should uh, on a lot of these guys. I probably will here in the, in the upcoming weeks. But um, if he lives up to his hype, you know, another probably a B-minus pick for me. Yeah, I like this pick for the most part. Um, the guy's like a hybrid safety linebacker hybrid. Definitely has great coverage skills. It's one thing the one thing from him that he really excels at. Uh, so he's going to be a sub-package guy that we bring in. Going to play on a lot of tight ends, a lot of big receivers. Uh, that's uh, that was what we brought him in for. We really struggled against tight ends. So, you know, we made some very average tight ends in the NFL look really good. Um, you know, Fedorowicz definitely sticks out in your mind, as well as the tight end um, for uh, the Colts, and his name escapes me right now. But we can't let that happen. You know, we if we cover those tight ends in those games – we win those games. Jayon Jack Brown, Doyle. Yeah, Jack Doyle, that's it. Jayon Brown has the ability to cover those guys, uh, and that, that does so much for us. We get a guy here that fits a very big need for us, and we do it late in the draft. In the fifth round, we get a guy. There were some guys I liked a little better here. Nate Harrison, cornerback at a temple, as, as well as the few uh cornerbacks here but he was the one that stuck out to me the most Anthony Walker Jr. linebacker from Northwestern and Matt Milano linebacker from Boston College but we're getting John Brown in the fifth round as a guy that's going to come in and sub packages and guard tight ends that's exactly what he's going to do this guy's never going to be a starter on this team but he covers a need for us he's going to see a lot of time especially when we play you know quarterbacks that love to get the ball to the tight end or when we play good tight ends John Brown's going to see a lot of playing time in those games that's the reason he was brought in. That's um, exactly why we got him. I gave it a B grade. It's later in the draft. You get a guy that fills a need like that. I like it. As for the next pick here, sixth pick for the Titans, 217th overall in the sixth round, we get a guard, Corey Levin, out of Chattanooga, local kid. How would you feel about this one? Me personally, uh these these next upcoming picks, the big uglies, I, I really don't know much about. But Glenn was pretty informative on the situation. Unfortunately, we don't have him here to, to go over it. But uh, what I did learn from Glenn was that we did bring this guy in, so they knew what they were getting when they took him. Uh, he's a he's a big, smart, coachable, uh, versatile lineman. I think we can switch switch him around a little bit. And as far as going with um, – you know, a guard center offensive lineman prospect. I think that's definitely a smart decision to keep our line healthy and, uh, and young really. Um, I like the position we went with that pick. I don't know much about Corey Levin, you know, other than what, what Glenn informed me of, I think he was pretty excited about him. I don't think he's going to, you know, wow anybody right away, but I think in the future he could step into something and, and turn out to be somebody we need. Uh, yeah, this is a guy that he played a lot of different positions. He's played tackle, he's played center, he's played guard. He's versatile, and that's exactly what you want in a backup um, on your offensive line. If you have a guy that's that versatile, you can get away with not bringing in the extra guy on the offensive line, you know, suiting up an extra guy, and you can get a wide, an extra wide receiver out there or an extra cornerback or an extra linebacker, whatever you need. This is the kind of thing that Corey Levin can do for you if he pans out. Is he can maybe let you cut how many linemen that you're going to have on that 53-man roster, so you can get some more playmakers out there uh, in other positions. 
Um, which obviously, you know, at corner, that's going to be something we look to do this season is have a lot of guys out there so we can, you know, find some guys that are going to work out for us in the long run, uh, or at least until we can improve more in the next offseason, next draft. I like this pick. I thought he was good, a good pickup, a good player. I had two guys that I liked here. That's Leon McQuay, the third, uh, safety out of USC. You know, I think safety going um, completely un- addressed in this draft might come back to haunt us i know we did make some moves in the off season and i think we have we're gonna have a pretty solid set at safety a decent set at least and then uh, i know i'm gonna slaughter his name but it's a feedy odenigbo i believe is how you pronounce it defensive lineman out of northwestern a really good football player that i think we can bring in add depth at the defensive line but we got a guy here that adds depth to the offensive line. We had a great offensive line last year. You want to keep that going. You don't want one injury to end your season. Luckily, when we had injuries last year, we had you know a guy in Dennis Kelly that could step up and really played phenomenally. We're bringing in Corey Levin so we can keep that kind of that next man up. You have a guy down there that you trust that you can rely on if somebody goes down. Uh, so I like the pick. I gave it a B plus grade. I guess I did. I guess I didn't give a grade, and I'm not. I probably shouldn't, just because I'm completely unfamiliar with the guy. All right, here. Moving on, we had three seventh round picks. Moving on to the first of the set of the three, two hundred and seven. Two, sorry, two hundred twenty seventh overall. Josh Caraway, linebacker out of TCU. What are your thoughts on Caraway? This is a guy I was familiar with before the draft. Great value for where we got him. Uh, over the last two years, he's had 32 plays behind the line of scrimmage, so a very disruptive player. He's an outside linebacker and, and a great edge rusher. I think that um, his tackling skills and his, his size and speed are going to make him pretty much step into special teams role right away. I think that um, we got a great value, like I said earlier, but he, he's he's been known before this draft. When you can get a guy that, that – has a name like Caraway has, or a reputation rather, like he has uh, that late in the draft. Great pick. Um, I like it a lot. I'm going to give him a B plus. I like this pick a lot, especially where we're getting him. Uh, a lot of people had this guy as, as early as fifth round. Uh, definitely a lot of sixth rounds is where he's projected. We got him in the seventh. You know, This is a great pickup for us. I think uh, Caraway's a guy that's going to add depth. I think he, he can do a lot in special teams to earn his role, earn his spot on the team. I think that this is one of those seventh-round picks that is going to stick around. This is not going to be a camp body kind of guy. Me and Glenn are both teams, are both fans of teams in the Big 12. So we're familiar with Josh Carraway. He is disruptive. If you're going to pick one word to describe him, that's the word you pick, disruptive. And we know John Robinson wants guys that are disruptive on defense. And that's what you're getting with Josh Carraway. He is I think he was way overlooked to drop this late. I think it's a great pickup. There were some other guys out there that I think he might have gone for. You know, maybe another cornerback or maybe, uh, you know, Keon Adams is a name I've seen a lot. But I like Josh Carraway better. I think he's a better football player. It adds a great depth pick here, uh, a disruptive player that uh, hopefully it doesn't happen. But if one of our two outside linebackers go down and, you know, Kevin Dodds not playing the way that we want him to play, this gives you another option. You know, your, your season's not over. You don't have to worry. Josh Carraway could step in. I think this is a great pickup. I gave it an A-. minus. 
Moving on to the next one here. The eighth pick of the draft at 236th overall. We drafted Brad Seaton, offensive tackle, out of Villanova. What are your thoughts on this pick? Again, not even going to lie. Didn't, didn't know much about this guy, but from what I gathered from Glenn, this guy's huge. He's 6'8". Um, don't have his weight in front of me. Huge, huge guy that's very flexible and agile for that, for that kind of size. Has good change of directions to play on both ends of the line and can play a guard in a pinch if he's needed. Solid depth. Gives the Titans uh, two very, very tall tackles. I believe Dennis Kelly's also 6'8", if not 6'9". But, again, this late in the draft, when you can get somebody with that kind of size and uh, agility, I think that's a great pick. Um, we definitely need the O-line depth to, to stay fresh in rotation. So, as far as any any kind of game tape, I've never seen him play at Villanova. I've never watched a Villanova um Villanova football game, but obviously, you know, John Robinson sticking with the small school trend. Uh, I think we possibly got a good, good value here. So, um, grading is probably not even worth it, but I'll go ahead and keep the trend going with a B minus. Yeah, this was the one pick I was not a big fan of at all. Um, and the reason being is there was better tackles there. Uh, Avante Collins out of TCU, uh, Avery, and I know I'll probably say this wrong too, but Avery. Janessi, uh, out of Texas A&M. I thought both of those guys were better football players, better tackles than Seton. Uh, yeah, I don't have a lot of trust in Seton. You know, he comes, he is, he does bend well. He doesn't get too high, but he's clunky. You know, he doesn't, he's six eight and doesn't use that size well uh, at times. He's definitely gets beat on ed, with edge rushers. Um, and, you know, he hasn't played, playing at Villanova, he hasn't really played against anybody impressive you know in the pass rush you're looking at a guy at tcu and a guy at texas a&m obviously have seen some very good pass rushers guys that i think are are better football players better complete packages uh so i wasn't big on this pick because i thought there was two tackles that were clearly better than seaton left on the board now with that being said obviously i trust in j rob and you know i'm not worried about um about this pick. He's going to be a depth guy. We'll see if he makes the roster or not. Overall grade, I gave a C on this one. Let's move on to the last pick here, Matt. Ninth pick and final one for the Titans of the draft. At 241 overall, we took, and I know I'll say this wrong, uh, but Kalfani Muhammad, running back out of Cal. What do you think about this guy? I think you said that right, Kalfani Muhammad. Um, I did not know anything about him. I watched tape as soon as we took him. I was extremely excited. You know, one thing that scares me a little bit is his size. He's only 5'7". This kid's got crazy speed. He runs a 4'3", I believe, somewhere in that range. Uh, he will push the pile when necessary. This kid will <laughs> will definitely, he's not scared of contact whatsoever. He can, he can move guys a lot bigger than he is. Um, you know, definitely not, you know, he is a, a late seventh round pick, so take that for what it's worth. But I'm extremely excited to, to bring him on just because of the, the change of pace that he'll bring to uh, Derrick Henry and, and DeMarco Murray. So I love what I saw. Uh, he's going to help out immediately on returns, even though he probably won't be the guy. We have a Dory Jackson for that now. But uh, I believe this pushes Eric Weems out the door, which I'm perfectly okay with. I definitely want to see, you know, 
the ball gets spread around as much as possible. And I think that if we use him in, in certain uh, packages, we could definitely use him basically in, in a role where I think the Dexter McCluster never panned out. I think we could put him in that type of role. He may not have the, the pass catching ability that McCluster had, but you know, all these guys are young and I, I think they can adapt to it to, uh, to what we need them to do. But his film at Cal was exciting to watch. I'm real excited to bring him in. Uh, as far as the grade goes, B plus because uh, his, his tape just excited me. If you haven't watched this kid on tape, go do it. YouTube. He is absolutely exciting in his tape. I won't disagree there, but at, at 5'8", 175 pounds, uh, I think durability is going to be a big issue with this kid. He is a guy that could be an explosive returner when you see that kind of speed on anybody. But I don't think he's gonna he's as good as Dory Jackson, so I don't think we're gonna use him that much unless you see Jackson go down or we need to start giving him breaks as the season wears on. You know, if he's gonna be our CB one, um, you know, you want another guy if the season wear and tear is starting to get to a guy to take the, that one you know spot away. He can kick return kicks, obviously. But I'm not huge on this. His durability really makes me question. I know he's a tough guy. He runs very physical for a guy as small as he is. But that only makes me worry more about his durability, not less. Uh, he's going to be taking harder hits because of that running style. And I just don't think his frame is going to allow him to hold up. You know, we see it all the time with guys that get, you know, under that 190 pounds. Durability is always an issue. Uh, like 100% of the time is an issue. I don't think Muhammad's going to be the one guy that it's not going to be an issue for. With that being said, I, I do think it's a seventh round. It's not that bad of a pick. He's a guy that is going to come in and be a, a you know electrifying. You can put him on punt and kick returns. You can put him as the third down back, even though I don't think we'll ever see him get touches. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any touches to give out on this team anymore with the guys that we have. so I, But I also think that there was a guy on the board that was better, and that's Matt Days, the running back out of NC State. Matt Days is 203 pounds, so still pretty small for a running back. Uh, he's also a much better pass catcher than Muhammad is. He's a natural pass catcher. So if you're looking for a third down back, Days is much better. Uh, I don't think Days can is going to be as electric in the return game as Muhammad will be. But I also think you have that covered with a Dory Jack. If you really wanted to bring a guy in, you know, to be the third back, I think Matt Days fits it better. With that being said, though, I don't. I think Days is the only guy that you make the argument with running backs that were left. Um, that would be a better fit for us. So you still get a guy that isn't a top two best fit, and it's the seventh round, so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, I'd give it a B minus. I think if we got Matt Days here, I would have given it a B plus. You know, but we'll see how it works out. Hopefully, with that small frame, he's able to stay healthy, stay on the field, and do some stuff for us. I think Matt Days kind of resembles uh, the Antonio Andrews mold that we've had at that that third running back spot for a while. I want to I want to stay away from that. Nothing against Andrews personally. I thought he was a great guy. Uh, he did run hard, and, and there's a lot of guys that, that can do that, run hard and be average. I just think that, you know, Muhammad has that that factor, that, that X factor that's different from everybody. Yeah, he's small as shit, and he probably won't be able to uh, lay as many hits as he did in the league as he did, you know, at Cal. He probably won't last too long doing that. But the kid is runs tough, he's 
He's fast, and he just is explosive. I'm I'm excited to see something different behind our two Thunder and Thunders. Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt Days is a little smaller than that Antonio Andrews size, uh, but not by a ton. You know, I think he's got really good hands, and I, he's better hands than Muhammad. But this it just shows you that what Tennessee wanted. They, they, they weren't as worried about getting a pass-catching third down back as just, you know, a kind of a depth guy that can help out in special teams. And I don't blame him for that. With with the two that we have at running back right now, as well as the weapons we're adding on offense, I doubt, you know, no matter who we got at that third back, that they were going to see more than 10 touches in a season. And I, and I still maintain that, you know, if we got Days or Muhammad, I still don't think you'd see him get very many touches at all unless something catastrophe, you know, some kind of catastrophe happened and we were out with both backs. Um, there's no yeah, touches to, to give around here. So you got a guy that can help you out in special teams rather than a guy that's a better true third down back. So, you know, you can see what Tennessee was looking to do with this pick. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I don't want to see him as our starting running back ever. <laughs> but as something to, to to switch it up, throw a wrinkle into the offense, I think he can definitely help out. All right, Matt. So before we do our overall draft grade, biggest surprise of this draft? Hands down that we did not select more than one corner in this draft. I, I thought going in, two was going to be the number, even though, you know, surprisingly, you know, one, obviously we, we, we took one early, and I think we, we landed a good one. Um, but even what surprised me after not selecting a corner in the later rounds, we didn't even get one in our undrafted free agents. So that, that shocked me too. But, you know, same time, you look at the current roster, there's a lot of guys that are unproven. Um, a couple I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, in, in the upcoming months. And a couple of them I'm, I'm not too thrilled about. So I got to believe that John Robinson likes what he sees with LaShawn Sims. He likes Kalen Reed. Uh, one guy I'm kind of high on at the moment is a guy we acquired from Chicago, Demontre Hurst. I think he could step in and, and play pretty well for us. But, you know, all these guys got something to prove, and I think there's going to be a lot of competition in this camp, which is always a good thing. But I was shocked we didn't take another corner. Yeah, that has to be the biggest surprise. Um, and I'll even extend it to defensive backs in general. Uh, we didn't get another corner. We didn't pick up a safety at all. That definitely surprised me. Um, with the way we're setting right now, and I do think we have some guys that can play on our team, uh, but I don't want to see Logan Ryan playing a sideline. You know, we've seen him there before. It's not pretty. He's good in the slot. He's great in the slot. That's where you want to keep him. So that gives you a Dory Jackson and then, you know, guys like McCain and Sims fighting for that second spot. As much as I liked Sims, he still has a lot to go. He still has a lot to learn. He was a liability, you know, at times last year with a completely immobile neck and never seemed to be able to turn around. You know, McCain also kind of like boom or bust. He either makes a, a great play or he gets burnt down the sideline. He had a couple good games last year when no one was stepping up. McCain did step up in a couple games towards the end last year, but you know, still not the guy you want to see on that outside spot. You know, especially with McCourty, McCourty being gone, I felt like we needed at least two corners in this draft. It kind of surprised me that we didn't go with that. And you know, instead went with two picks for offensive line depth, a pick at outside linebacker. We didn't even get. An inside linebacker 
Um, really, I mean, Josh Carraway, I think, could play there. But, we, you know, there was a lot of that surprised me about this. We didn't get the needs I felt that we needed to get here. Um, but, again, I trust in J-Rob, so you know, I hope it pans out, and I think it probably will. Uh, but for overall grade, where would you grade this draft? Obviously, everything is still pending. It's It's way too early to put a letter grade on anybody, really. But as a whole, on paper, even though I felt maybe we, we did reach a couple places, other times we we traded up. We started with eight draft picks. We ended with nine, which I think is what we projected uh, last week, nine or ten. So from that aspect, you know, we, we ended out one more than we expected. So, that, you know, that's a good thing. But I think this could be one of the better drafts in, in recent memory just because, you know, Last year was Robinson's first. That's still pending, but I believe that's going to be, you know, for the most part, a pretty good one. I feel the same way about this one. The the, the trend basically with me has been B's all around, so I'm going to go ahead and stick with B. Yeah, I'm going slightly low with B minus. I thought we got some good guys here. I just felt a lot of times that there was better guys on the board. You know, we kind of got the guys we we wanted, but regardless of position, regardless of value. That's, you know, a method that you don't see work out a whole lot um, for teams. Uh, you know, it always reminds me of the Raiders that no matter where they're at, they just pick the guy that they like, and, you know, we know how the Raiders normally perform. I, I just thought there was better guys there. I felt like we left a lot of needs unmet and got a lot of things that maybe weren't nearly as pressing. That's why it's going to be a B minus. I felt like overall it's still a you know solid draft. We got some good players that are going to make differences for us. You know we get a guy that can cover tight end, something we desperately need. We get on the top of the draft, you know a big target for Marcus to work with. You know down the future or through the future, you know Marcus still very young, obviously a rookie coming in. Corey Davis very young, so a long future there. Taiwan Taylor, another guy. At, wide receiver but I just felt like we didn't need to get two wide receivers in this draft we definitely need to get two corners in this draft I felt like we'd address inside linebacker more than we did I felt you know a lot of the the big needs I had going to this draft were really unmet and that's why I dropped the grade down a little bit Uh, but overall I still felt we got a lot of guys that are going to be able to make plays for our football team yeah there's going to be no excuse on offense moving forward we we have the pieces in place I think most fans pretty much depended on us going heavy defense when really we went the other way. I mean, you look at it, our top five picks with Davis, Jackson, Taiwan Taylor, Smith, those four guys all are going to be instant playmakers. Um, you know, We might have been top heavy, but if you get four quality starters out of your first four picks – I mean, you know, yes, you had nine picks to play with, but if you hit on four of them and those four are are basically the building foundation for your future, I take that as a solid win. Yeah, I expected us to go defense heavy in this draft. We had nine picks, six on offense, three on defense. Um, so definitely favoring the offense. Definitely surprising, but you're right. Our offense has no excuses. We should be winning games in spite of the flaws we have on defense at this point. You know, hopefully Dick Dick uh, LeBeau can, you know, polish this turd, so to say, and make it into something just good enough to let our offense win games. But I would have liked to see us, 
you know, make our defense a little bit better going, you know, into the mini camps and stuff. And, you know, there's still moves to be made. Guys are, veterans are going to be cut. You know, there's going to be chances for us to get some corners, some safeties, some inside linebackers, whatever we need later on down the stretch. So that's something, obviously, that we'll be keeping an eye out for. Definitely. We're, we're not done yet. I guarantee that. Agreed. Uh, but that's all we have for the show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks to my co-hosts. Um, we'll be back next week, as always, on Wednesday. And, as always, tighten up. Make sure you tighten up. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.